Welcome, comrades, to the glorious People's Podcast Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am, of course, comrade Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, uh, first among equals, Bobby Blaze. I want my foreskin back. You know what? I used to have big dick there, Professor. I ain't gonna mm-hmm. lie to you. Yeah, I was uh, I was just a baby. I don't remember it, of course, but my grandmother told my mom that she thought that they took too much foreskin off my dick. So, therefore, I think at one time I probably had a pretty big dick, but they cut all that damn foreskin off. So, I'm enforcing the rule. I want my foreskin back on what the fuck they done with it. But anyway, there you go. But um, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade... I was a year, year behind because I got held back all those years. So I had a bigger dick than anyone in the class. Of course, I was in, in, in fourth grade, I was 15 years old. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, it all caught up with me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just, I'm, I'm low average at best. Um, anyway, how are you? And how's your foreskin, motherfucker? Um, yeah. <laughs> so much for the language. Sorry. <laughs> well, there's always next week. Um so, you know, it's what's funny is I actually have three different foreskin jokes I can go into. But, um, you know, my ex-wife used to work at the Santa Cruz AIDS Project when we lived down there. So we were at the um, the Pride Festivals every year, you know. And, you know, you get used to seeing what you see. There's like, you know, people come through on stilts and shit and they're dressed like, uh, you know, fucking circus people and whatever. And cars come through. And then, like, the dykes with bikes come through, and then, like, you know, just, like, just whatever goes on, you know, the the bears and all that shit. And then this group comes through, and they got signs up, and it's my body, my choice. And I'm like, what the fuck are these guys protesting? (laughs) And it it was, it was, um, you know, that getting circumcised, like, before you say, hey, circumcise me. And I'm just like, I just can't get worked up about this. I just... You know, I don't know if I'm just being whatever, but I'm like, you know, um, I never had to deal with dick cheese because my parents made a wise decision when I was young and I'm good with it. You know, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. They keep that foreskin up or, you know, at the hospital. That's fine. Yeah. You know, one of my, one of my godsons isn't circumcised. Right. And I remember when he was a kid, he was running around naked one time and I'm like, that's weird. And as well, I was like, what? And I go, well, there's like more and less of his dick than there should be. Looks I like a fucking anteater. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on over there, but something's off. Something's wrong with that thing. Yeah. Is, it, is this dick wearing a turtleneck? Is that what's going on? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just said that because I don't know, man. I just thought at one time I had a bigger dick and apparently now I don't. And I'm not here to swing dick. I'm here to talk about a podcast. Um, and also maybe have a drink or two. I know yeah. you're, we're recording at a different time. Uh, it's not Sunday afternoon, it's Monday. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute when we go into the marquee event. But um, yeah, so if you've seen uh, Blue Velvet or yeah, that movie uh, with um, uh, Dennis Hopper playing, plays Frank and the well-dressed man in that movie. And he says, um, well, here's the fuck, you know, and uh and the guy says, you know, uh, what was it, Kyle McCannahan or whatever. He's like, he gives them a beer and they get like some PBRs and they're driving down the street. And, you know, there's like, um, Jeffrey, a ride. Yes, a ride. Let's go. And it's just one of those things that you're just like, what the fuck, man, that movie. Um, I was thinking of Frank, the well-dressed man played by Dennis Hopper. And I'm going like, Jeremy. 
here's the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I know we're just having a good time because it's, it's a different time as well as getting at that we normally record at. And uh, we're having, we're going to have fun with this, but it's also a very serious um, uh, podcast coming up about someone who means a lot to me. So anyway, I just uh, want to throw out there. Um, here's the fuck. Yeah. You know? No, I get you. Um, so this week, and I, I kind of thought maybe you wouldn't want to do this episode. I was surprised when you said yes. Yeah, because um, I know other ones come up where it's people that you know, and you're like, I know, you know. Yeah, there's three or four of them. And I'm like, yeah, eh. that's a pass. Um, yeah. So obviously, with my little Soviet propaganda opening, we're yes. going to be talking very well. Very well. Yeah, we're going to be talking this week about. Uh, well, we're going to. I'm going to use this kayfabe name. You call him what you like, but uh, the yes, great, sir. the great slash Professor Boris Malenko. Yes, and I'm looking forward to this. I have a lot of um, what I hope to be good stories. Um, I dedicated my first book to them. Uh, we'll come back to that. I'm just going to give you a brief rundown for anyone out there that just now tuning into our podcast. I think we have mostly old school fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I we done a. Um, regional heels and Professor Boris Malenko was uh, uh, brought up, I think, at like number five, and that's when Tex was with us. R.I.P. Tex and Boris Malenko. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I just want everyone to know this is WrestleMania week that we're recording this in. It is the marquee event in sports. Hot. Get that uncircumcised cock out of my throat, motherfucker. Uh, entertainment, sorry. Uh, WrestleMania number 37. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, you've probably already watched um, Monday is Raw on USA. Um, I think on Tuesday on a Peacock Internet work, you have the Hall of Fame. I like WrestleMania. Uh, this is my Super Bowl week, even though I may or may not watch it this year. I'm just saying. Um, Wednesday, you have TakeOver. It's called, uh, uh, I think it's Shout and Deliver or Stand and, yeah, Stand and Deliver. That's on USA, uh, the Peacock and the Network. Friday, you got SmackDown on Fox. And on Saturday and Sunday, night one, you got Mania. Um, Peacock and the network, and on Sunday the 11th, um, night two, and that's the Peacock and network. And of course, they follow it up with next week was uh, uh, Raw the 12th and uh, on on um, USA, and then uh, NXT on USA the, the next night. I'm I'm not I may or may not watch any of that, but if you are, please enjoy it. Take it for what it's worth, man. Um, as you said, this is a people's podcast of the people, by the people, for the people, Professor. And mm-hmm. um, I just want to put that out there because um, I, I really appreciate each and every fan we have. Disregard all the coarse or harsh language. Um, we have fun in this podcast, as you know. And um, uh, when you when you said Professor Boris Malenko was going to be our topic this week, I was like, yeah, it's time. I'm all for it. Let's do it. And I appreciate that opportunity to do that. And um, let's have fun with it, man. Any yeah. questions, uh, fans listening at home, uh, wherever you listen to in your car, the way to work, um, you know, to and from your, uh, whether you're out doing your yard work or whether you're, you know, on a, 
escalator or an elevator or a fucking um, alligator. Uh, subway or an alligator. There you yeah. go. If you're in Florida. Yeah, there you go. Good, good one. Um, you know, enjoy it for what it's worth. Let's yeah. have fun with it. But we're going to also be serious. So um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, as we, um, you know, kind of get ready to switch over to our main topic, I yes. want to say, you know, WrestleMania is coming, but I saw what I might count as the greatest match that the WWE could have ever put on last week. What's that? Uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. Ah, man, I've been wanting to see that. I heard Kong had a good drop kick. Uh, yeah, he's got a pretty solid drop kick and um, a nice little knee to the face maneuver that he does. Ooh, he I does, like that. Yeah, he does a lot of like, um, he actually, there's a lot of like wrestling type moves in there because Kong has to stay mobile to be able to fight Godzilla. So he's got to get up on top of buildings and drop on him and stuff. And it's uh, death from above. Yeah, it's pretty badass. And there's a scene in there because they just call him Kong. But there's mm-hmm. a scene in there where they literally have him sitting on a throne holding an axe in that Conan the Barbarian kind of pose. Oh, I like that. It's it's pretty badass. Yeah, it was well, definitely worth the watch. I will. And here's the thing. I um, I went to watch some uh, Major League Baseball had opening season, mm-hmm. opening day this week. We uh, My team, the Orioles, the O's got rained out the first day. I went back the second day to watch with my brother my nephew. And my nephew says, um, I can get you on HBO Max. Uh, I don't have my password for whatever it was. I wasn't there, but he said, I'll get it. And you can, you know, I have openings. You're, you're more welcome to join on my ID or whatever you fucking do there. So I'm looking forward to watching that actually. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you so, know, it's an hour and a half. There's mm-hmm. only a little bit, like literally a human being starts talking, get up, take a leak. It's not going to literally the human beings are just there for, to facilitate moving other people. Yeah. Around. Yeah, I'm it, looking forward to watching it. Yeah, it's, it's I've heard good stuff. Yeah, it's definitely fun, and it's cool. it's stupid and it's silly, and it's fun to watch. And, and that's okay, right? Yeah, and that's, that's what it's all about, for. man. Escape yeah. from reality sometimes, you know. Exactly. Good deal. All right, so you told me to call him whatever I want. I'll yes. call him. He was my coach, my mentor, a friend, and a father like figure to me. And that's the the um, great. Professor Boris Malenko, um, as his son Dean said, uh, you know, sometimes he was more, he was, he was, well, he was too good hearted. My dad, that's Dean quoting this, uh, all, also this week, um, sources, Mike Mooneyham, shout out to Mike Mooneyham, uh, at Mike says, um, on Twitter, uh, sometimes he's too good hearted. My dad was like a father figure to a lot of kids in the school. He not only trained him, he was a father figure type to them. He wasn't, he liked helping others and he wasn't into material things. And I'll say this at that time when, when Mr. Uh, Professor Malenko, Mr. Malenko, I called him a lot of times. Um, and that's a Southern thing when I'd say mm-hmm. Mr. Malenko. Um, Dean and I was in a lot of contact at that point, And uh, Dean contacted me personally keep me um because i had left florida at that point i was working for smoky mountain and and dean kept me abreast as to what was going on and uh, even the day that that once uh, uh uh larry simon was his real name passed away and um i never will forget that that dean and i share that moment and and also i've you know i know joe malenko also um, he even wrote something in my first book um about that, just pin me, pay me, have boots will travel. 
I dedicated that book. It says this book is dedicated to Larry, Larry Simon, a.k.a. or P.K., professional known as the great Professor Boris Malenko. Um, and, and Joe thanked me for that. And, and, and they both said, well, you know, we just had such a small part in your training. It was a big part in my training and breaking into the business because I had I had had several matches prior to going to um, Tampa. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, um, he became like a father figure to me. And I still hear sometimes his voice echo in my head. Sometimes when I'm training or trying to help someone else or I'm doing an act of kindness, um, I'm seeking nothing out of this. I'm just saying, you know, hey, pay it forward, motherfuckers. That's what it's all about. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can be kind and um, caring. And I know sometimes uh, we do that and maybe we do it too much. But you know what? Maybe you don't do it enough. But that was Professor or Larry Simon or, you know, Boris Malenko. He was soft-spoken. He spoke to me, um, and I, I don't want to get tear-eyed. We'll get that. I'm just kind of let you start there, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where I'm going from. He was my mentor, my coach, my friend, and he was a father figure to me, man. So, yeah. well, it's I, I understand it. You know, so uh, the professor there, I'm kind of my namesake at this point. Um, you know, yes, absolutely, because you, yeah. you, you're more than a savant. You're you. I told you that over two years ago. Now I guess going to when I said a professor, that was honor of Professor Bort Malenko. But also a lot of these podcasts, people go back when I used the term professor for you, because you come up all these notes and all these um, ideas uh, from the past, or or uh, well, let's go this way. And then you'll have all the knowledge about it, whether it be uh, WCCW, uh, uh, whether it be way back when in WWF, or a, a, even something that is mostly, you know, we, we, we like obviously the NWA. You're a big fan of AWA. You have all that knowledge. And I was like, man, this motherfucker is like a professor. And that's a straight shoot. So take that. Um, I think you said it to someone on Twitter one time. You're like, well, my broadcasting partner, Bobby Blaze, or who, I don't even know if you mentioned me. You just said he bestowed that uh, moniker upon me, and I, dude, I mean it. You're like a fucking professor, dude. You you know your shit, man. That's uh, whether you're Mike Tanay, uh, Boris Malenko, or, or or whatever, man. You got your shit together as far as research, history, and here it is. Here's the facts, Jack. Um, and here it is, you know. Yeah. So, no, I, I, when I said that, I meant it with the, and I still sincerely mean it, with the most sincere respect. Um, you earned that title, Professor. Well, thank you, Ian. <clears throat> I definitely take it with the uh, intent that it was given. Um, so what I wanted to get into real quick is I don't know as much about Boris Malenko as I probably should. He was definitely a Florida guy and a Carolinas guy, and, you know, he retired well, I was a little kid, basically. Um, now, his son, you know, Dean, is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. I think, yeah. you know, he is a fucking just... Um, well, he might need a stepladder, but he's head and shoulders above <laughs> everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, uh, obviously right there, Professor Malenko also trained one of my best friends, my broadcast partner. So, you know, here's a guy. Yeah. Here's a guy I should know more about. So let's talk a little bit about some of the people he trained. Oh, yeah. Um, you want to start listing? 
Do my Um, You know, I'll read off a couple names, and then if anything catches yeah. your attention, let me know. Bill Eady. Mm-hmm. Bob Orton Jr. Yep. Sean Waltman. Yep. Mark That's Merrill. That's I was there. Mm-hmm. Mark Merrill was there. I'll tell you a story about Mark Merrill in just a second. Yeah. Fred Ottman. Mm-hmm. Buddy Landell. He, you know, buddy. Yep. Paul Very Diamond. Well. Yeah. Paul Diamond. Alan Lou Perez. Barry Horowitz. Bob Cook. Jumbo Beretta. And, of course... Our own Bobby Blaze. Yeah. Um, I talked, I spoke to two of those people this week. Um, I spoke with Bob Cook. Bob Cook started. Um, shout out, Bob, if you're listening. Also, shout out Sean Watman, the 123 Kid or X Pac. Um, Sean wants to hear this, and I hope you're very pleased with this, uh, Sean. And, and Bob, if you're listening, that's great. Bob started in 1981 when Malenko, and I, um, we talked about this off the air last week. Uh, the uh, Badcock Furniture Department <laughs> deal where he's wrestling a mattress. Yeah. So I'm not sure all this ties in, but I know Bob Cook started back in 81 when his first school was in the back or early on when his first school was uh, back in the back of a mattress warehouse. So that was the first place. When I broke in, he already, he moved out to a, a barn uh, barn out in Valrico, Tampa, or out in Valrico, Florida. But but I was only there a few months before um, the Japanese influence came, and we moved into Industrial Park on a lazy lane out off of um, um, uh, Del Mabry Avenue out there between Fowler and um, I'm talking Tampa Times, uh, Bush Garden, you know, way out there anyway. Uh, Buddy Landell told me, yeah, you know, Malenko used to make him do these exercises. And I'm like, Buddy, I've done them, I know. And, and I, I broke in – uh, when I was about 12 or 13 matches in my, when I broke in September 11th, 1988, I didn't know, I thought I knew stuff about wrestling, but I didn't. I'd had like three and a half, four months training up here in the Kentucky area. Um, and I went to a show in December of that year and I'd rest, like I said, 12, 13 matches, whatever it was, 15. Uh, I wouldn't call matches as more like, let's just, Here's what we're going to do. And, and um, I'd managed a couple shows, et cetera, et cetera. And I had a match against the one guy I trained with. And um, anyway, uh, I was on the NWA show. Uh, the guy that broke me in, uh, Rick Newsom, put me on this NWA show, Pikeville, Kentucky. Someone no showed, but Buddy Lindell had driven up with Hector Guerrero from Knoxville. And uh, Jimmy Vallant was there. And I wish to this day I remember who didn't show. But anyway, I wrestled like third match. Long story short, when they needed someone to fill in for the main event, Buddy said, put that boy right there with me. And Buddy said, hey, just listen to me and follow my lead. And that's when I first met Buddy. And anyway, uh, the match went on. I just watched, and I was like, oh, fuck, these guys are professional. This is what it's like to be a professional. And I talk about this in my book. Again, it's pin me, pay me, have boost for travel. And I was like, fuck, these guys know how to work. This is professionalism. And uh, when Buddy tagged me in, and I did this and did that or whatever, finally Jimmy Valley just held my arm behind my back, and he said, just catch him, brother. And uh, last set, Hector Guerrero, who was wrestling as Lasertron, went up to the top rope, done a cross body, 
value let my arms go i caught hector and he like went away down going thank you brother and i like one two three and like holy fuck this whole fucking thing's at work and i I told buddy to back i'm like i knew it but i didn't you know because i had those matches and i said how long y'all be in this business if you're not greedy anymore he said it'll take you a long time just get trained you know you you got a good body which i did time got a good look which i again not brag but i'm like 24 25 years old i'm like yeah you know, and I'm listening to Buddy Landell, who's fucking, uh, you know, self-glamorous, combing his hair, you know, got the tan and the whole thing. He's been in the business forever. And um, he, so anyway, long story short, um, I knew then I was like, man, I need real fucking training. And I had been sending out letter after letter after letter. And uh, to promoters, I saw something in the back of magazine to uh uh, wrestling schools and you gotta realize this is like late 80s it, you know wrestling was hot yeah but um anyway um uh i wanted to say this right now marvin joel a xbox sean if you're out there you know marvin joel man uh he wrote me a letter back i had originally went up to the monster factory uh drove up there spent a couple days it just didn't feel right marvin joel out of Min- uh, Min- uh, minnesota wrote me and said hey you want to go to a school, get a hold of Phyllis Lee and go to the Malenko school. They're the best craftsmen in the business. Sent me some flyers, some info and a number. And I called Phyllis Lee. I knew I was going to be in uh, Orlando that summer for a couple weeks. And I said, um, if I come to Orlando, which I knew was about 90 miles from uh, Tampa, can I come down and just show you what I got? And that's what's happened. I went down there on a Saturday morning. And I was in uh, Orlando, and I went down to Tampa, and, and Malenko called me a little match, put me through some stuff, and he said, hey, forget everything you know about wrestling, Bobby. God bless you. But those guys up here in West Virginia, Kentucky, and Tennessee, they just want to punch and kick and beat the shit out of each other. I'll teach you how to wrestle. And that's how I met them. And I was like, okay. And within a few months, I moved from Orlando down to Tampa and um, I just started going four days a week, and he just kind of took me under his wing. Within four months, Dean, who had been overseas quite a bit at that point, uh, Dean come back with myself and another guy named Rico Federico, and he said, hey, um, I hear you guys are pretty advanced. Let me start helping you. Because, you know, he's taking over for his dad, basically, to yeah. run the school. And um, the rest is history, man. That's how it kind of happened. And um, so, yeah. Now, Good stuff, man. So, I, as I understand it, yeah, uh, the professor there was uh, very much in that kind of Carl Gotch school of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl came by several, uh, several. Well, Sonny's used to shoot wrestling. Once they got two rings, Masami, who was Gotch's uh, son-in-law, they would do uh, shoot wrestling. Uh, Joe Simon, um, Jody Malenko come by one Sunday, some had helped. And I just happened to stay. I was such a student of the game. I observed and watched, you know, but um, what, the first time Gotch came in there, he walked through the gym by the training ring. I should say that when it's, you know, got two big rings up there. He walked straight by myself and Larry and he went over to where they was trying to shoot style. And Larry said, see that guy right there? That's one tough son of a bitch. And I'm just sitting there looking at this guy. Carl was about 60 years old and was in great shape and big and strong still. And uh, he goes, yeah. He goes, um, another school I had, he said, I was in, he said, imagine this, that room right there. 
he pointed to a side door. He said, uh, and you know, you talk about plywood and, and um, uh, sheetrock. And he said, I, Joe wanted to be a shooter, wanted to be a wrestler. He said, let gosh train you. And I heard this, Joe told me, you know, first day he went like, gosh, was, he's like 11 years old or something. Gosh, maybe like 75 fucking Hindu squats first day. Like, oh, fuck, you know. <laughs> so anyway, all that said, um, he said, yeah, he threw my son through a wall. I'm like, fuck, that's my son, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just tough. You know, but anyway, bottom line, is the first time I met Gotch, because he come in, went over and spoke to Joe and left. No introductions, no nothing. He just straight, you know, um, to uh, uh, Larry's house one day to watch some some matches, evaluate our training, whatever. And when I walked in, Carl Gotch was sitting there. And he just grabbed my hand and went, Gotch! And, and he had long hair and I had long hair. And I said, yes, sir, I know who you are. You know, because this, by this time, Xbox 123 had told me, like, this guy's like the god of wrestling in, in Japan, Bobby. I, I, you know, up here in the hills, you're like, who the – Professor Boris Malenko, I remember from ICW in the Southeastern or whatever, vividly just small parts of a guy's career. But, yeah. but Carl Goss, like he said, well, it used to be 38 uh, territories in this country, and I don't know because I got trained, I got fired from every one of them or whatever, you know. But um, <laughs> I'm like, yes, sir, you know. So that's kind of my first, quote, introduction to Gotch. But um, we'll come back to that another time probably. But um, anyway, a couple of times I, you know, saw, so he started to come around again. They, they had their ins and outs. Yeah, I just, um, I was there just, I'm like, I'm training pro style, man. I, <laughs> I'm not here to get fucking stressed, beat the fuck out of uh, all that stuff because they they knew what the hell they was doing. But at the Malenko's, um, at the camp, I never once saw anyone uh, take liberties with anyone else or hurt anyone else because Joe and Dean and, and Larry, they were the best craftsmen in the business. And when they put you in a ring, and I tell people to this day, if I help anyone, I tell them, I'm the least person that you need to be worried about in the ring. I'm here to help you. What kind of coach, what kind of trainer, what kind of teacher would I be if I just get you up here and beat you up? I wouldn't be that way. You know what I'm saying? So I never take advantage of or liberties with people if I'm helping someone out because that's the way I was broken in. Um, once I started training for Larry, I never saw anyone, you know, get beat up, hurt, taking liberties with. Even though they could have, they was like, no, let's stop here. Here's what do this. And they would show you how to wrestle mm-hmm. and work, you know. So, so anyway, let's go on. But anyway, yeah, there's a lot of people in there. Uh, Buddy Landell, Paul, uh, Paul Diamond, uh, Jumbo Beretta, what a tremendous talent he was. Julio was his name. Big Cuban guy, Bob Cook. What I always tell I read Bob Cook. Bob Cook um, had one of the best punches, probably the best punch in the business, other than uh, uh, Bobby Eaton. And also, he done Terry. I used to tell, I used to read him. I said, "Man, Bob, you do Terry Funk better than Terry Funk does Terry Funk." <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of guys that come through there. Um, you know, through the years, uh, 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 Jerry Flynn came through there. I'm just trying to think. Rico Federico. Uh, uh, Willie Wilkinson Jr., who was a big star over in Japan uh, for the shoot groups, and also he ended up and he was their policeman over there. He was their top trainer for Michinoku because he broke guys in the right way. Uh, of course, he had trained their guys, so he knew what the fuck he was doing, and and that way. But uh, he had trained Malenko, you know, pro style. Just a lot of people, like you mentioned, uh, Bob Wharton Jr. 
Uh, Malenko told me, like, I trained him in my living room how to do the headlocks, which is top wrist locks and all this. And, and, and Bob Sr. apparently didn't want him in the business, but uh, Bob Jr. wanted to do it. And Gotcha Malenko helped him. And, you know, the rest of the history, now he's got a son that's one of the best in the business ever, you know, yeah. third-generation wrestler, wrestler and Randy. But um, an X-Pac, Sean, one, two, three, uh, kid, you know, when I was there, dude, you know, we were just starving, looking for a place to stay sometimes. Um, we stayed with uh, Phyllis Lee at her apartment. We stayed with his grandparents, had a buddy that was training and lived out in uh, Bradenton, Florida. I, I was just there. I had a little Chevette, man. Uh, I called it a vet. I said, don't fuck with my vet. Uh, it's a little Chevette. And then some people say, well, man, I thought you had a Rolls. And I said, I do have a Rolls. Uh, they said Rolls Royce. I'm saying, oh, it's a Rolls can't Harley, man. <laughs> you know, it's just barely fucking roll down the street. But we'd make those fucking shows and we'd do make that training. And, um, you know, one of those things, um, got to meet some good people. And um, the, the, the um, uh, Tommy Nash and um, uh, Gangrel, who was uh, uh, there, uh, uh, Dave Johnson uh, from the. Um, you know, they went to Calgary. A couple of them have uh, just just a lot of different guys that came through that I can't remember. Debbie Drake, man, comes to my mind. Uh, she got to go to um, um, over in Japan. They they let her wrestle as uh, Debbie Malenko over there, huge star uh, over in Japan. She was she was scheduled to take Medusa's place. Um, I think she got hurt. I see her sometimes on Twitter, um, and uh, she's getting back into the business. Some. But, um, yeah, just a, just a talented girl that came through there, man. It's like, oh, man, um, to get bestowed, to go to Japan and use that Malenko name. They thought a lot of her. She was that talented, you know. That's Yeah, that's, so, that's pretty yeah. cool. So that's all the names. And Bill Eady I've met since then. Um, I've talked to um, Mark Merrill. I can tell you, Mark Merrill came down, this big old tall guy, uh, fuzzed out, big hairdo type deal. Um and, and he ended up being Van Hammer. They went up and done a couple of TVs, and Dusty said, hey, kid. And he named Mark Merrill Johnny B. Bad. You know, he was like, oh, that looks like uh, uh, Little Richard, and they gave mm-hmm. him that. And um, the other, I think they'd been like five fucking sessions, if that tells you anything. And um, uh, Van Hammer, um, same thing. This happened. Big guy, good look to him. Couldn't work with a shit, and I'll tell him to his face to this day. Uh, good dude. But um, uh, Van Hammer's like, uh, just right place, right time. Had that good look, you know, and he came out there get tarred. I, I think the Steiner greased his fucking strap or something. He knocked himself out. <laughs> this, you know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. They went up there for TVs and done a couple, but they got a gimmick. They got, they love getting over the day doing his things. Uh, Van Hamrock, man, I lost track of him forever. Yeah. But his first wife was from Harlan, Kentucky. And we hit it off because he's like, uh, oh, Kentucky boy, my wife's from there. And he was like a fucking, um, at the time, he was like a hairdresser or something. And he's like, yeah, I'm just taking my chances getting this business. And he, he did all right for, you know, a good while or whatever. Everyone has to run. But some of those guys came through there, you know. Uh, yeah. But they'll come came through a couple three to five times because they they got a good break you know and that's what it's all about um getting that that break man 
Well, yeah, because sometimes it just it matters more to be standing in the right place at the right time than it does to bust your ass. It yeah, just, you know, it just depends on what path it's is given. To you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Anyway, yeah. So that's he's trained a lot of guys. Um, you know, I know we're going next, man. Uh, Malenko had the false teeth deal. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> he done that with um, Wahoo. And Eddie Graham, I think Wahoo, I could be mistaken. I thought he told me they'd done it out in Texas, but it's probably in the Carolinas. And then, of course, Eddie Graham, they'd done it down in um, uh, Florida for uh, Florida champ- Championship Wrestling, Florida. And he had, and he had taken them out before the match and set them down on the apron. And then, you know, they, they built the whole angle of that where um, – Eddie Graham or Wahoo went over and stopped his teeth, man. And that that's just set off a feud. You know what I'm saying? Um, good, good book, imaginations, um, creativity, if you will. And then also, I think Malenko came back with, um, he, uh, in Florida, I know he did, he had like a bust made of himself. You know, you, you crushed my teeth. And of course, he's, he's getting new teeth, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, then we had a bust made of himself and he busted that as the professor, et cetera. And I'm just kind of scanning over a lot of stuff there, but that was kind of a few with Eddie Graham. And um, anyway, go ahead, man. Add me something. I got to drink of water, man. Yeah, you're yeah, killing yeah, me. yeah. No, that's that's fine. You're, 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 hitting, you're hitting a very fertile thing, so I'm just going to let you riff. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the difference in training because you're telling me that when you got down to him, he's like, all right, you learned what you learned up there, but now you're going to learn to wrestle. So yeah. what were some of the differences in, in between what you were taught? I mean, like some of the specific things that you can look at and go, you know, this is what I did up here, but this yeah. is what, what wouldn't have happened down here with Larry. I mean, what, yeah. what kind of, well, it was a work. It was a dance. Um, you enter if your partner, um, it, how to lock up professionally, had lock, uh, excuse me, lock up officials hold or, um, collar and elbow, if you call it. And how to do it professionally, you know, not that I didn't know how to lock up, but how to lock up. And I tell people this, uh, students I've helped or, or people I've helped in the past. And, um, I've got a job by locking up with a guy in a shower. And that was with Bobby Fulton. And I'd been over in Australia. He had called me. I was jet lagged. He took me a shower. He knew, he knew me through Tommy Rogers, who I'd wrestled in, in Florida. Um, he knew me through, um, um, Dean Malenko, who had wrestled. And then I was trying to get on with um, uh, Cornette and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Dude, we went we went to a shower. He said, lock up. And I locked up. He said, you got a job. <laughs> I'll see you in the first match, and we'll go from there. We ran a whole show. I worked the first, third, and last match with Bobby E. Fulton. And um, I, I, a week or so, Cornette was like, uh, hey, hey, Bobby, you want to try out? Because I had, you know, Bobby Fulton gave me a good word. So the point being is um, I learned to lock up. And then uh, Malenko showed me like, oh, this is this is how you do an actual how to put someone in a headlock, how to do a top wrist lock, lock, how to go behind someone, not just shoot style, but how to go behind them and work with them, if you will. And also he taught me conditioning, um, like you know, there's a difference between being big and strong and bulky versus being lean and stretched out, and also uh, conditioned. 
he had us doing 10 and ones. Uh, the first time I'd done them, uh, Sean Walton and I was out there in the Tampa heat on the asphalt in August and it's hot, you know, it's hot. And I'm doing push-ups and Hindu squats, push-ups and Hindu squats. And then, then um, even after I'd done a couple of tours up in Canada and um, uh, South Africa or whatever, I came back and Larry was still out there showing me like, well, let's do 500 Hindus. And me and Rico and Willie and uh, Jerry Flynn, we'd do like 500 Hindus. And, um, you know, that kind of uh, tell you the story. The the first of my comp- I completed the 10 and ones, which is 10 push-ups with one Hindu squat, nine push-ups with two Hindu squats, um, three push-ups with eight. And it goes all the way down to you get down to 10 um, Hindu squats and one push-up. And then you're like, well, now you're halfway done. Go back. So basically you're doing a, 110 push-ups, and 110 Hindu squats, which basically deep knee bends. And yeah. I remember the first, and so after that he says, okay, now you're going to work for your time. And I was doing it like 11 or 12 minutes, probably closer to 11, because I'd been there going four days a week. And I remember going to, um, one of my friends called me from Orlando, and he said, hey, man, I'm flying home to Kentucky tomorrow. Uh, come up, or next day or whatever it was. You care to come up here and see me? I always like going. And he said, I, I always go to the beach before I fly. And I was like, yeah, I'll be up. And so I drove up to Orlando, 90 miles, what it was. And I was going to spend the day with my buddy, I have a few beers, whatever, go to the beach, and he's going to catch a flight the next day. And I said, I got to do my conditioning, though, because I knew I'm not going to get out, you know, I'm not going to get out of shape over one or two days because I bust the mass for three or four months at this point. Right. I go out to the beach. I do 10 of ones. I get them in, like, 11 minutes, okay? Um, yeah, I bust my ass out there in the sand in the sunset. And so when I come back to camp on Monday, I'm like, hey – me and you know, myself and Malenko Larry were sitting there and I go, Hey, Mr. Malenko, I said, I done my ten and ones the other day and um I did them in like eleven minutes. And he stood up and he goes, Um, that's pretty good, kid. But I do them in eight minutes and I do two sets every day. <laughs> and this fucking walked away and I thought, Fuck you, you motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck you, son of a you old son of a and he goes, And I'm fifty years old. Oh shit! It's hot, you know. I'm like, I at least done something, but he knew how to get me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? To where I eventually broke down that time to where I was getting them under eight minutes or whatever it was, and and we'd go to dinner. I end up, you know, at that point, you're learning to. You're, I made a friend and a mentor at that point. Sure. A few weeks, months later, what have you? The bottom line was is like. Um, it was a challenge. Like, okay, if this bastard can do it, so can I. And I learned to do, you know, uh, two sets. Uh, we'd always take two minute break in between them. But, you know, within a few, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you're doing, you know, 220 push ups, 220 sit ups. Body, and you're like, man, if it, it, it's just a whole respect factor thing that you learned. Um, and those guys, like I said, on Sundays, you're out there doing like 500 Hindus, and then you're doing like 100 push-ups and a three-minute neck bridge. You, you just build that stuff up, you know. Um, it's no different than progressive overload and rate weightlifting or going out running a mile versus running 26 miles for a marathon. You you adapt to that. And um, But it was a challenge when someone says, that's pretty good, kid, you know, but I do two sets, and I do them in, you know, X amount of time per set. Um he knew how to put you out there to challenge you and make you 
on a guy, man. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned he's like a father figure to me because he put that out there to me like, uh, uh, not disrespectful, but like, um, that's good, but you can do better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, this is going to be kind of similar, but I just, when I started plumbing, my dad was my foreman for the first six months, right? And Mm -hmm. by the time I started plumbing, everything was plastic and copper, you know? And I was bitching about carrying like a bundle of four-inch plastic pipe or something. My dad stopped me. He goes, hey, you know, when I started doing this, I still had a fucking bullet in my leg from Vietnam, and that shit was all cast iron. And I never bitched again about having a hump pipe. I'm just, okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's carrying fucking all that metal with a bullet in his fucking leg. Yep. And so, you know, that kind of shit, you know, he, hey, I'm 50 and I do that, you know, 50% quicker than you. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Respect your dad. Also, a uh, shout out to veterans, especially for our age group, the Vietnam veterans. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I yeah. mean, that's, that's, you know, um, I know. Uh, why don't you do this, Professor, if you don't care? Um he was the king of the Russian chain matches mm-hmm. and also a uh, brass knuckle champion in many different, um, I know he did it out in Texas, was the NWA brass knucks champ out in Texas and also in Florida. Um, you know, how about this, man? Tell me a little bit about all the championships and accomplishments he had, because that's probably too many for me to name. I know at his apartment, um, he had the, um, I think it was a Southeastern, sorry about that, my, my gimmick just, but catch my spit, <laughs> not a mask, but uh, something from my microphone there just slipped. Um, anyway, uh, tell us about uh, some of the championships and, and titles he won because I know in Tampa he had the um, he had the Southeastern, I think, tag team champ or South in a very nice case at his apartment, and I I would like to recall. It could have been either or the 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 tag title from Southeastern or um, the heavyweight championship title Southern. But anyway, I don't want to get he was Ron Fuller here. Just saying, uh, we'll get in that segment a whole nother. Yeah, about some of the championship titles he had, Professor. All right, and Bobby, just so you know, you are starting to break up a little bit, so I think we might be oh, having. Oh yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Right. Let's avoid so, that. Yep. So starting with the AWA, he and Bob Geigel are one-time tag team champions together. Then moving on to championship wrestling from Florida, he was the NWA Brass Knuckles champion eight times. He was the NWA Florida mm. heavyweight champion one time. NWA Florida tag team championship two times with Bob Roop and once with Johnny Walker. Bob Roop, there's a name we keep running across. Uh, NWA Southern Heavyweight Championship, Florida version, one time. NWA Southern Tag Team Championship, Florida version, one time, with Johnny Valentine. Southeastern Championship Wrestling, NWA Southeastern Heavyweight Championship, one time. NWA Southeastern Television Champion, one time. Southwest Sports, this is down in uh, the Blanchard Territory now. Okay. NWA American. Oh wait, Southwest Sports. Yeah, that's right. NWA yeah, American. You're right. Yeah, NWA American Heavyweight Champion one time. NWA Texas Heavyweight Champion one time. NWA Texas Tag Team Championship one time with Killer Carl Cox. And then mm. the, I, I know you're going to poke at me because I'm going to say it, but it's then the World Wrestling uh, Entertainment Hall of Fame Class of 2018. 
Um, cause, and I know that he actually did wrestle there at one point, but we all remember his yes, great sir. WWF matches. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, hear the thing about that. I'm not going to poke at you. Uh, I guess because two things, one is I wish there was more footage out there about him. Uh, but he was way before, you know, videotaping, et cetera. Um, there is some footage on, on YouTube about him. Um, I think there's one where he's, uh, doing Something with um, the mass superstar Billy that you mentioned, where he burns the mighty Igor with a cigar. Um, there's some stuff where he does with his sons, as well as um, uh, just a brief little bit. But he's an inductee to the um, the legacy inductee of 2018. I really find it hook bait, you know, whatever lock, sock, and barrel. I really thought when they did the, um, this has been, I don't know what year it was, to be honest, uh, Professor. Uh, they did WrestleMania from Florida, and I know it's this year they're doing it from Florida. That's fine. Um, but it, I want 15, 16. They thought that they might put him in the Hall of Fame then because Dean was still working there. Mm. Um, and I really thought, you know, oh, man, this might be the year Larry goes in. It didn't happen. And uh, like I said, he ended up being in 2018 as a, uh, you know, legacy inductees, but that's the way things go. And yeah, he had worked like we mentioned. Oh, he had mentioned uh, he worked for uh, Ben Senior. You know, back in the late fifties. Uh, I think the Dusacks was the name I mentioned earlier. Uh, but he was a top draw in the Carolinas and Virginia. And I remember him telling me, and I, you know, hey, it's the wrestling business. You do what you do. Um, he. He got 33 stitches in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I'm not sure. I, I honestly can't remember. I want to say that someone jumped out and slashed him across the back. It could have been a front, but I can't see someone get to him from the front. Might have been from the back. Um, and I also heard it was 76 stitches. Uh, but someone got with a, a, a knife and it striped down. They didn't stab him, but they slashed. And if I remember, that's just, um, again, stuff we're looking up, you know, on, on Wikipedia or uh, someone's website or what have you. Yeah. If I recall, and you can say, you know, hey, if Bobby, if I say, Jeremy, I got stabbed, you know, a slice for 10 stitches, I might say, well, it fucking cost me 20 stitches, you know, whatever. It's the wrestling business. Yeah. yeah. So I, what I'd be. Th- oh, but um, to, it was a riot. Uh, tour from the ring and he got I think he was in a ring by the time he got there um, if I'm not mistaken this is one of the times that um, and I could be wrong uh, don't fact check me and if you want to that's fine too um, he's a heel and to my from my best recollection about this is uh, Carl Gosh was a baby face and he's the only one that came out and helped Larry in the ring where they had been working earlier, you know, uh, as a baby face, and he got caught up in this riot. And it could, if it wasn't this town, it was another one, but I think it was the same show in Richmond, Virginia, and Gotch came out from the front, uh, or from the back, rather, helped Larry back to the back because, he, you know, he saw his friend being stabbed. And wow. I think that's when they really formed a friendship. Um, that Again, this is just hearsay while I'm at the – I know Malenko told me, you know, I got stabbed in Richmond, Virginia, Bobby. I got a bunch of stitches. I think he says 76. And he looked over at Gotch and he said, that's some bitch right there. He's the only baby face to come out and help. You know, that's my recollection. 
And also, uh, I want to say Kentucky. It could have been Tennessee, but he told me a story about I put tobacco in the eye. He said this lady was up there just giving him hell, giving him hell. Not not the same part, not the same night that he got stabbed or sliced or whatever. And he turned around and looked, and it was a little old lady. And um, I swear to you, it was either Knoxville or Harlan, Kentucky. Either way, it's Tennessee or Kentucky. When he would say, God bless him, Bobby, meaning, fuck you, you hillbillies. <laughs> uh, uh, he said he heard this little old boy say, hey, Malenko, hey, Malenko. He said he turned, and, you know, he'd work. Sometimes he had, like, one eye shut and one eye open and or whatever. He, he did the whole self thing. He said he heard this little old lady, so he spun around looked at her, and right when he did, she just went <laughs> – and she spit two in the back of spit right in his eye. And oh, she said, I got shit. you, Malenko. I got you, you son of a bitch. And he said it was right in his good eye. So that's where she got him in his good eye. And he stays trying to fucking wipe the spit out of the tobacco spit out of his eye. He said, burning like a motherfucker. You can barely see. But that little old lady got him, you know, down there in Kentucky or Tennessee or whatever it was. But, uh, you know, he heard this sweet little voice like, you know, well, I got to turn around, even though it's a heel. You know, and then she just let it go. And so uh, sometime when I say, ah, you got me, Jeremy, or you got me, Professor, right in the good eye. Oh, shit. Bit back in the day, back in the good eye. Back, you got me in my good eye, you know. Um, so anyway, just some funny, not funny, because, man, people, back then, I think Dean even said, you know, uh, sometime we would drive to towns, and, and, and he'd come out and his tire were sliced. That was like a fucking standing over Oh yeah, Good Rich or uh, 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 Firestone or wherever, and two no two new tires at a, a gas station in the middle of nowhere to come out and put your tires or your car uh, because your tires got sliced because you done your job. Um, that's like a standing ovation to him. You know, well, that's you know, back in the olden days, there a lot of those guys like their job was to piss the audience off so bad that somebody out there might try to kill them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, real quickly, before you go uh, to the album there, I saw you uh, talking about that. I just wanted to say, uh, of course, was he was a, um, a good interviewer, promo guy. And Larry um, Larry would say, you know, just get, get you some notes, talking to your mirror, um, know what you're going to say, have, have an idea, you know, where you can go with this thing. And Terry Funk, when I met him in Knoxville, he told me, he said, uh, I, I sat two hours after a show with, with, with Terry Funk in a locker room. And that, you know, that was my all time favorite wrestler. And, and he said, Bobby, he was getting ready to go from Knoxville to St. Petersburg the next day for the NWA hall of fame. He said, Bobby, you, you think I deserve to be in a Hall of Fame? And I'm sitting there going, yes, sir, I do. You know, but I didn't say it out loud. I'm listening to him. And he goes, I don't. He goes, my father, Dory Sr. does. My brother, Dory. Your trainer, Professor Boris Malenko, deserves to be in that Hall of Fame. Damn, dude, I'm, I'm just sitting here glad to meet you. You ain't got to cut a promo. <laughs> we on TV. I'm just, I'm just happy to be in a locker room with you talking to you. It's just me and him. But he said your trainer, Professor Boris Malenko, deserves to be in that Hall of Fame. And he said, you know, he starts talking about his promos. And so in his book, uh, Terry Fine, Hardcore, he says, Florida was where I learned about promos from Boris Malenko. 
he was a father of Dean, Joe and Dean Malenko, but back then he was the best damn promo man I'd ever heard. I would watch him constantly because he did such a wonderful job with long promos to have such an of time, saw the amount of time he put into his promos. He would head off to the side way before he ever went on TV. He would have his notes there, and he would be thinking out clearly exactly what he was going to say. His philosophy was that if he had a 30-second promo, that meant he had 30 seconds to improve the attendance of the show. He needed to put a lot of effort into the promo. Those 30 seconds could be a difference between a fan coming and not coming. And I always heard it saying, you know, talk them into the building, talk them into the building. And, and Malenko could talk them into the building, and that's where Terry Funk got that whole deal. And he goes on to talk about the um, the infamous match he had in Memphis with the uh, no fans there, with him and Lawler and this and that. But uh, talk them into the building. You know, Malenko is one of them guys that could – he cut his promo. He he was precise. He knew what he was talking about. And he'd talk him into the, you know, talking about this time frame, of course, was uh, when Terry Funk was in Florida, probably when him and Eddie Graham was working their program, you know. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Oh, why? And I'm like, uh, yes, yes, you do deserve to be there, sir. You know, and he goes, no. And he goes, my daddy, my br- you're a trainer. And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> Whatever you say, mm. Mr. Funk. Yeah. Plus, he had his dick halfway hanging out. Blood oh. over his head where he, uh, he had booed off his um, trunks and spandex would pull down on one leg with one knee pad on and off. He'd been juicing that night, and I'm sitting on a mat about even with all that stuff. And I'm looking up, going, "Can you just like I'm a fan? I'm I'm a good fan of yours, you know, um, Mr. Funk. Would you put your Would you put your dick away? Put please? your dick back in your pants. Go take a shower. Um, what am I going to do? You know, I'm just standing there, but I'm just I'm so enthralled. That's not what I'm thinking about. I'm sitting there listening to a story because. Still has to travel from Knoxville, Tennessee, down to St. Petersburg the next day, and he's spending an extra two hours in a show talking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an honor uh, that he took that much interest. And I already met Dory uh, Junior at that point several times. And uh, when I got to meet Terry, it was just and he's telling me about my trainer. You know, so yeah, um, man, that's just one of those things uh, you just don't forget, man. Um, had- or oh he dude i just happened to catch him and he just continued to dress and undress and uh uh start talking to me and i'd already worked earlier in the show and i'd showered and you know shit shower shave whatever and i just was like going over there to say thank you for the house and thank you for um uh just wanted to meet you let you know Guys, kind of tell me when you done Paradise Alley the way you and I was just we was just talking to guys, but he just you know continued to undress. Uh, when you're growing up in sports, you uh, all jokes aside, you know you, you just you're in a locker room. You share a locker room with guys, whether it be in a locker room for for basketball. Uh, you just you naturally and in wrestling, you just. You're not you don't be very self conscious. You just take your shit off and get ready to say, "I got a shower." you know, get this shit off of me and, and go to the hotel and dry my stuff or, or go to the next town, you know. So it wasn't anything like that. It was just a matter of, like, just a couple, like I mentioned before. Uh, 
Anderson favorite talent enhancement, like it was just two gentlemen discussing business. Uh, one of them happened to be showered at the time. The other one's like halfway in between a shower, you know. Yeah. Um, but they took time and a professionalism to help you and talk to you about that, you know. So um, uh, the importance of an interview, I guess, what I was getting at. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you, your, your mic is breaking up more, so we yeah, are, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to start wrapping up here. Um, the next point I had was the insane clown posse once named an album after him, but I'm not gonna hold that against him. Against um, him, yeah, you, my, those cocksuckers. I met them in WCW, um, and I liked that album. Actually, it's pretty good. Uh, if you're into that kind of shit, I actually had tried to go and see them in Huntington, West Virginia. Their show got canceled. They had worked in WCW and were working there. I think Vampiro was helping them some. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, um, you know that great Malenko. If you're into that kind of shit, go back and watch that. I don't, I'm not trying to give them any money, but ICP. Uh, that was a funny fucking album. They dedicate to Malenko. I know Funk got played. I know uh, Cactus Jack got paid off some stuff off the um, uh, when they done was uh, those guys. You know, they're multi millionaires and more power to them, whatever. But uh, that that album to me was pretty fucking funny. Um, I had it and I cracked up. Uh, ah, fuck. You know, you know what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do for a fucking uh, paycheck and. Um, that's that, and that's that, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Bobby, there are two things I hate more than anything else: rattlesnakes and fucking clowns. I once chased, <laughs> I once chased a rattlesnake in the tall grass with a tire iron to kill the fucking thing. I might Ooh. do the same. I might do the same to a fucking clown if I ever ran into one in the wild. So you know, I just just want that out there. Fuck a clown, then. Oh. I'll say this. I ain't going to the high weeds and check no rattlesnakes, but I hit a fucking clown in the fucking head. <laughs> With or without a tire head, a tire iron, I, I kick that big red nose, big shoed, cocksucker motherfucker. Before, and I'll say it again. This is, I said it, I don't know how many years ago. This is 2021, motherfuckers. Don't take the time to be a fucking clown. Be a mime or something. But fucking don't be a fucking clown in the wrestling business. And I'm not going into the weeds. Jeremy will with the tire and a killer snake. And I'm done because this is Bobby, the anti-mime, signing off right fucking now. <laughs> All right, guys. So, yeah, we um we were going to record yesterday. It didn't happen because we were having some connection issues. They appear to be kicking back up today, but at least we got more done than we could have. Um, I was going to point out that not only did uh, Professor Malenko play a commie, he also played a Nazi, and that takes some fucking balls to do in the 1950s. Um, You know, Bobby said he's one of the top promo guys, so we want to make sure we get that out there. Everybody, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm sure that Bobby hopes the same. Uh, For the late Tex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and Comrade Bobby Blaze, bye-bye, everybody. Or Dasvidanya. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha